Welcome to the Lisa Wexler Show podcast. Think of it like a magazine or a box of chocolates. You never know what you'll get. From politics to pop culture, healthcare to legal issues, it's all here. And my behind-the-wheel chats are personal observations created especially for you on podcast only. Enjoy. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The great New York Times theater critic Jesse Green joins us right now. He wrote a fabulous bestseller called Shy, which is a wonderfully annotated autobiography of Mary Rogers, the daughter of Richard Rogers, who who lived and grew up largely right here in Fairfield. From 2013 to 2017, Jesse Green was the theater critic for New York Magazine, where he had also been a contributing editor. He has written about theater and culture for so many years. More notably, his recent reviews were a bang-up, fabulous one for the Merrily We Roll Along Revival, which he says is one of the best in years, and Maria Friedman has been in charge of that. We had her on the show not too long ago. Love her. Love her. And then also, Jesse, I think you got into a little bit of hot water, but I personally thought it was undeserved for your review of K-pop, where we had the star of K-pop come on the show, too, and then 48 hours later, the poor kid was out of a job. But it wasn't his fault, and it wasn't your fault. Uh, and uh, wel- welcome to the Lisa Wexler Show. Welcome back, Jesse. So ha- I'm so happy to talk with you. Hi. Uh, hi, Lisa. It's great to talk to you. I had a blast last time. Oh, it's so great. By the way, the book, are you in your umpteenth printing now? You know, it was sold out at the time I interviewed you. All these people were asking me afterwards, how do I get the book? How do I get the book? I'm like, it's sold out. What can I tell you? Are you in, are you in more printings now with Shy? Yeah, yeah, we were in like our seventh printing. It's doing oh. very well. And we have the paperback coming out uh, uh, later this year and the audio book. Oh, how amazing. Well, if you need a blurb, I'm all in because I thought it was okay, fantastic. Great. I thought it was just marvelous. Anyway, so uh, Jesse Green, hi and welcome. Uh, I wanted to talk with you a little bit. We're going to get to what we definitely should watch and what we should see on Broadway as we save up our tickets. But you were in a little bit of a kerfuffle, a little bit, for K-pop. Tell us about, tell us about K-pop because we were paying attention to it. And full disclosure, full disclosure, I am a major K-drama freak. It's all I watch. I watch nothing in English. I watch everything in Korean every single night. I was very oh excited God. about K-pop coming, but I already had some insiders tell me that it wasn't quite up to a Broadway show. So I wasn't shocked to see your review, but let me hear from you about it. Well, first of all, the K-pop uh, had originally been produced off-Broadway a number of years ago in a completely different format where 
you kind of uh, went from room to room and saw bits of the play happening in front of you. And then it ended up after you saw, after, you know, different nomadic groups of audience got to see each of these scenes in different rooms, they all gathered together at the end for a kind of celebratory concert. And it was really a lot of fun and kind of revealing about the industry that was creating K-pop and trying to market it at that time uh, for U.S. crossover. When when they brought it to Broadway and, you know, with uh, huge delays because of the pandemic and such, they ha- had to completely remake it because there's no Broadway theater in which you can stage that sort of event. So they rewrote it into a more conventional attempt at an American-style musical, but about a Korean uh, cultural phenomenon. And yet they uh didn't really uh, get all the way there, I guess is what I would say. So if you're a fan of K-pop and you like the music and you like the drama in that style, I think you probably would have liked it. And I said as much in the review. But if you're a fan of the, uh, you know, of the Broadway musical and the kind of ideas uh, of what it can do through development of character and through plot, it was awfully thin. And I said Mm. that as well. Um, However... (laughs) You know, people get hurt when when you they get a bad review, and I'm not surprised that some of the young people who are involved in the show, a huge number of them, first timers on Broadway, um, you know, uh, using social media and things like that, kind of lashed out at me, not because I had written a negative review, they said, but because I had written a racist review. Yeah, I read the review, and, and I would give you a pass on that, Jesse Green. I didn't see any racism in the review, in my own opinion. It's my opinion, but I didn't see it. Well, clearly I didn't. Um, you know, insofar as I spoke about having liked the show previously, it, it wouldn't mm-hmm. have made sense for for me to have a – I'm not saying I'm free of racism. I don't know if anybody's free of racism, but the review certainly didn't, uh, you know, express that. And um, I, you know, really – didn't see any reason to back off and they demanded an apology from me and from the times. And I, you know, happily the times basically said, uh, no. And, uh, that was the end of it as far as I was concerned, except that I shut down Twitter for a while because the, you know, I don't know if we want to get into this, but people use, we know how people use social media these days. We see it in government, right? So Mm -hmm. they don't make any distinction between that and a bad review. And, uh, I didn't, find it emotionally uh, sustainable for myself. So I just turned it off. And, and my life has been a lot better since then. Yeah, like a light switch, as they said in the Book of Mormon. So uh, we're chatting with Jesse Green, the New York Times theater critic. Well, I think in lyrics all the time. And people who listen to my show know I'm always I'm thinking and I'm talking in song lyrics. But that's what I really wanted to ask you about, the emotional component of being a critic. And there it is right there. So sometimes I'm, I'm, I'm hearing from you, the noise just gets too loud. Well, you know, listen, Lisa, you go to a show, and I know you love the theater, and, and you go often, right? Yes. So, and do you go with friends usually or family or something like that? Yes. I, my daughter is my number one pick because she is even more of a theater lover. I, I gave it to her, Jesse. I gave it to her. I handed her the football, <laughs> and she ran with it. She knows more than I do, and it's such a pleasure to be with her. So, yes, she's my okay. favorite number one theater buddy. Yeah. Okay. So when you're finished seeing a show, yes. do you enjoy discussing it with her? 
That's most of the fun. Are you kidding? I mean, really, that's the part two. Part one is seeing the show. Part two is basically taking it apart. Absolutely. Right. And do you do you always agree on everything? No. Exactly. That's my point. So disagreeing about shows should be part of the pleasure of of being a theater lover. It does not need to be a uh, furious cultural debate with (laughs) accusations and uh, and, you know, really deep, profound anger. I feel that, you know, the understanding um, between theater goers, theater critics, theater producers and, and all these different groups has kind of fallen apart in recent years, largely the result of social media. And I'd seen it in action many times since I started, especially being on such a major platform as the New York Times. Obviously, you're going to be, uh, you know, have a target on your back whenever you say something negative about something someone doesn't like, that someone else loves. Or, you, or weirdly, when you say something positive about something somebody hates. So um, instead of being in a place where we enjoy disagreeing, listening to each other's point of view, maybe changing our minds, maybe not changing our minds, we're at a place where someone's different opinion is somehow a mortal threat. And that is something I just I can't give into or else I wouldn't be able to write at all. I still just, you know, I still love going to every show. I hope every show is going to be fabulous. I'm disappointed when it isn't. And I try with some love and respect to discuss why in my reviews. Yeah, we're chatting with Jesse Green, New York Times theater critic. A recent show that you absolutely adored was Some Like It Hot, which incidentally I'm seeing on Saturday night, right? What's, yeah, I'm going to see it this Saturday night. I have tickets to Some Like It Hot this Saturday night, and I have tickets to Six, which I'm embarrassed to tell you I didn't see yet, but I'm going to go see it next, next week. Um, and you love Some Like It Hot. And for those who remember the Billy Wilder movie with Tony Curtis and Marilyn Monroe and oh my, what a, and Jack Lemmon, what an unbelievable cast that was. You loved Mark Shaman's, you loved everything about it, according to the review. Pretty much. I mean, I guess I wouldn't quite say everything about it, but enough so that it represents a, you know, a really great idea of what a musical can be today that is both classic in its sound and in its enjoyment, its dance, the songs, but it also takes uh, older material and finds a way without messing it up to adjust it to what we're interested in now and to explore ideas that couldn't have been explored when the material was new. So in, in this version of the show, while it still has the basic plot of these two guys who are you know, jazz musicians in Chicago around the time of the St. Valentine's Day Massacre, uh, they they uh, are witnesses to a mob hit, and they have to escape. And so they come up with the idea of dressing in drag and joining a, a girl band that's on tour. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's in the original, a lot of the humor came from, ha-ha, these two extremely awkward-looking guys in a dress. And, and it, right. you know, it, it is a great, funny movie. It is. Um, could you do that now just like that in in our environment of exploring, you know, new dimensions of gender and sexuality? I don't know if you could. You know, Tootsie had some problems along the same lines. Mm. Um, so what they did was they altered the plot a certain amount in order to allow it to be both what it was and yet also a kind of serious and respectful and funny exploration of of the discovery by one of the characters of his or her, I should say, um, you know, gender nonconformity. And it's I found it wonderful. Some people don't won't, but everybody's going to love the singing and dancing. 
It must be really hard for whoever it is to inhabit the Marilyn Monroe character. I kept thinking Megan Hilty should have been cast for it, but maybe that's just <laughs> smashing me all the time. But um, but who did they pick to do it, Jesse Green? Do you remember? Well, it's funny you mentioned Six. Uh, the, 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 the person who plays that role, whose name is Sugar, in the show is Adriana Hicks, who was in the original cast of Six. Oh. And they... they um, they altered that character as well because what are you going to do? You're not going to be able to do Marilyn Monroe. Right. Nobody true. can do. I mean, I, I grant you that Megan Hilty was fabulous in, in Smash doing that role. She but, was. you know, you just don't want to set yourself up in a new musical saying, I'm Marilyn Monroe. Mm. You know, it's just it's right. not right. Not fair. So, right. so they changed the character, and she too has an arc of exploration. She's black in, in this case. And uh, that that brings a really interesting background to the character of this woman who's, you know, been done wrong by men all her life and falls mm. in love with a man who is dressed as a woman. It's fascinating. <laughs> okay. Well, Mark Shaman's coming on soon, so we'll have a good time talking with him about how he developed that in terms of writing. He was great. Absolutely. I loved his hairspray. We're chatting with uh, Jesse Green, and we're getting into a little bit of the details, the weeds, you should excuse the expression today. On uh, on Broadway shows, uh, has it been a good season so far, Jesse? What do you think? Oh, I do think it's been a good season. Uh, a, a really interesting mix, as the fall sometimes is, of kind of prestige, serious work, and smaller but beautiful uh, musicals that are not the type you're going to typically see in the spring. Um, I. I, I I'm not counting Some Like It Hot as a smaller, you know, mm, dainty musical. Right. Some Like It Hot is a real old-fashioned barn burner. But uh, we have a musical called Anne Juliet, uh, and, and more importantly, one called Kimberly Akimbo that opened this fall that really fill that slot that there's room for, like, once every two years on Broadway for a kind of lovely, small, uh, and very moving show. This is the one starring Victoria Clark that mm. played off-Broadway a year ago about a woman with... Uh, a, a, a girl with a premature aging disease, kind of like progeria. And uh, she looks oh. like she's in her 70s when she's only 16 and is going to high school. And it's kind of hilarious and kind of sad and entirely beautiful. So so there's that. And we've we've had the prestige hits, you know, Death of a Salesman, uh, with with the uh, all-black cast of Wendell Pierce and Sharon mm. D. Clark and Andre DeShields. And we had Leopoldstadt, the, the Tom Oh, Stott which play. I Maybe. haven't seen yet, and I'm told I must see that. Must. Well, they've extended, and this is super rare for a serious play, all the way to July at this point. It's been such a hit. Um, oh. And so you'll have a chance to see it. And I've got to this see is it. his play basically about his own late in life discovery of his Jewish roots and the loss of much of uh, his ancestry, which he didn't even know about during the Holocaust. So, I mean, it's a tough sit in, in, in terms of uh, the history that's displayed, but it, it's got a lot of the stop hard polish and really, really uh, beautiful, beautifully staged production. And there's been the piano lesson and Top Dog Underdog and, and Ohio State Murders with mm. uh, Audra McDonald in a brilliant yeah. performance, as always, from her, always. From her uh, repertoire of tragic women, you know, the way she does. I mean, uh, and and a play called Between Riverside and Crazy. So I guess what I'm saying is this fall has been, to me, one of the strongest falls on record. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, 
Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Well, we needed it because we had so much pent up, right? We had so much exactly. deferred theater. Exactly. We had a lot of I, And I think that's theater. part of why it happened, too, because I think a lot of these productions were waiting till it felt safe to get back in the water. And so some of the best jumped in first. And, and uh, you know... Uh, <laughs> I should also, you know, mention, you know, Funny Girl, which was sort of a bust. Oh, that's right. That's right. But uh, came back at the end of September uh, with Leah Michelle uh, taking over the lead and completely altering the show. Um, so, you know, you don't you don't get many seasons like that where you have a Funny Girl and a Some Like It Hot really leading the band, and then you have the beautiful musical like Kimberly Akimbo behind, an interesting one like Anne Julia, and then all those you know, really deep, powerful prestige plays all at the same time. A lot of them are closing by the end of January, though, so if any of those things interest you, you might want to jump on it. Is Victoria Clark, am I remembering right, was she the one in Light in the Piazza many years ago? Is that the same one? Yes, she played the mother in that. She was wonderful. She won the Tony Award and is really one of our great singing actors. And she really shows why, in this case, playing this uh, 16-year-old girl in the body of a 70-year-old woman. Wow, this is fabulous. Uh, Jesse Green, can you stick around? I'm, you know, I've got to go to a commercial, and I really wanted to talk with you about some of the things coming up because people are now making their plans. It's January for what they want to see in the next few months. Would you stick around Absolutely. a couple more minutes? Thank you so much. We're chatting with Jesse Green, the New York Times theater critic. We'll be right back. From Norwalk to New Canaan, from Monroe to Milford, Fairfield County listens to The Lisa Wexler Show on WICC 600 AM and 107.3 FM. We are talking with Jesse Green, the chief New York Times theater critic, and we are dishing it up a little bit about what's happening now, what you really must see, and what's going to be coming on on the spring uh, Jesse, thank you so much for being on the show. And by the way, thank you for that wonderful review of Merrily We Roll Along. I don't have anything to do with the production, but I met Maria Friedman, um, and I met her in person, not only on the show, because she came to Stanford for this beautiful benefit for our orchestra, Lumos. And I knew that she was behind this. And her sister, Sonia, is another powerhouse theater person from London. And she's coming, I think, to... Uh, the spring with New York, New York. Anyway, the two Friedman sisters really fabulously enriching our culture, don't you think? Unbelievable. Yes, and and doing an amazing job with uh, finding ways to represent in the years after his recent death uh, the great works of Stephen Sondheim. That Merrily, you know, Merrily is famously kind of an impossible musical. It it opened in 1981 on a total flop and They've tried to fix it ever since. Sondheim himself and the uh, the book writer, George Firth, they, they just rewrote it and rewrote it and rewrote it. And in my mind, it just got worse and worse. Wow. Um, and, I, and I love the show. I mean, I, I you know, I, I, I would be happy to attend an entire season of versions of Merrily We Roll Along where they try to fix it. <laughs> but 
you know, this is the first one that I feel really, you know, got close to completely making it work. It wasn't quite there off Broadway, but the, the really smart thing is they're giving themselves a little more time. It'll be opening on Broadway, not until the fall. And, oh, next uh, that fall. Way, okay, I think right. Okay. They can probably, you know, you know, even up it a little further. But boy, is that a great score and uh, a moving story. Yeah. And the thing is, I have only listened to the soundtrack. I've never actually seen a production of Mary Lee We Roll Along. Every time I thought I might want to see it, it closed almost overnight. So, and <laughs> well, that's it's, right. It's true. And this one, the, which is at, um, what is it, the Theater Center, the New York Theater? Well, it like was off-Broadway at New York Theater Workshop, but it'll that's be it. yeah. on Broadway. Yeah. It'll uh, be on Broadway. But this yeah. one starred um, uh, Daniel Radcliffe um, uh, mm-hmm. as one of the three friends who are at the center of the story, and Jonathan Groff, and Lindsay Mendez, but it's it's really it it finally takes this show you know by the neck and says, okay, here is what this is about. We're going to be really clear about it because it's a kind of difficult concept. It's these three friends whom we see first in their fo- late forties, and as each scene goes by, they get younger and younger until yeah. at the end we see them as late teenagers, and it's heartbreaking because all of the innocence and hope of their early years, which we see at the end, we know by that point has been traduced by their own uh, betrayals and by their own cynicism in, in middle age. So it's, it's really a powerful story, and I love the way she's taken it in hand. It's so typically Sondheim to, to write that kind of a story, too. You know, it, his work was so much about, I hate to even say was, right? But his work was so yeah. much about philosophically understanding humans and and how humans related to each other over the course of time Uh, well look it into the woods which just closed uh last week Mm. on broadway uh where it had been extended and extended and extended and it's now going on national tour Mm -hmm. and i would recommend you you know to if if you didn't get to see it in new york find out where it's playing uh near you and go see it because you know that's another classic version of what you just said oh yeah Um, that's exactly right Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, but we have a weird, a weirdly interesting combination. We have another Sondheim coming up this spring. Yes, um, we need Todd. We, holy cow. We have sw- holy cow. Exactly. Well, <laughs> maybe not cow. Uh, <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> um, but in any case, Sweeney Todd, the story of the uh, vengeful barber who who uh, kills his uh, clients and his his uh, lover, uh, Mrs. Lovett, who turns them into meat pies to make her store. Uh, successful is coming back to Broadway in March, uh, starring Josh Groban as the barber and Annalee Ashford as as uh, Mrs. Lovett. And what's thrilling here for me, honestly, I mean, I'm looking forward to everything, but they are using the original full orchestra. This is not one of those mini Todds or teeny Todds, as they used to call them, (laughs) (laughs) where, you know, you had, I don't know, like, you know, three pianos and a and a bass drum, you know, or something like that. Or if you remember the the really quite beautiful one with uh, Patti Lapone and Michael Service, where the actors played their own instruments. Yes. Okay, so that was a concept, and it worked for what it was. But this is the real thing with a huge orchestra and real voices, as you wow. know, Josh Groban for yeah. heaven's sake, and Ruthie Ann Miles and Jordan Fisher, lots of great people. Yeah, and I'm really looking forward to that. Did you like him and Natasha and the whatever? My my daughter hated the show. She said, "Mommy, you'll hate it." I hated it. She hated that show. 
I, I, I think they would love. I would think they would love it that you call it Natasha, Natasha, and the whatever. Right. Um, that, that's what they were going for in their marketing. Um, <laughs> N- Natasha Pierre and the Great Comet of eighteen nineteen. I don't know. There's more words in there somewhere. Um, I, I was not a huge fan of the show. I thought you know his. He sang so beautifully that it made up for a lot of it for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the visual, uh, the staging was, to me, quite astonishing. Uh, but, no, it's it's not my favorite show of, of the last uh, 10 years, certainly. You know what's so but beautiful? I, go ahead. We're, ch- we're chatting with Jesse Green, and you're reeling off so many names of such raw talent. Like, for example, Daniel Radcliffe, who could have retired on the laurels of Harry Potter forever and done nothing. And yet you see him in the theater, you see him on television, you see him in the movies. This guy uh, has been so challenging of himself, so risk-taking. He's out there. He's doing his craft. And name after name that you're rolling off, theater is still the most intimate way in which any of us can experience this kind of talent. And we're so lucky that so many incredibly talented people who could be very far away from us as an audience are still choosing to walk the boards on Broadway. It's really astonishing. I I second that completely. And thinking about Radcliffe, you know, in Merrily We Roll Along, to be honest, the role he chose to play is the second lead. It's not the the main lead. Jonathan Groff is the main lead. Uh, You know, so his commitment is not to his ego. Correct. But it's to, you know, enjoy this work and to bring it to us, as you say, in this kind of intimate and personal way. And, you know, you could say the same of uh, Audrey McDonald doing, right. you know, a, an incredibly tragic, beautiful, serious play. Not the kind of thing, you know, that's likely to get audiences for 10 years when she could just keep doing TV shows, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but a lot of these artists grew up in the theater and, as you say, it's their first love and their last love, too. And Josh Groban, for sure. I mean, he could just keep doing pop concerts. What does he need to do? Yeah, he's you know, eight to performances a week. Ever. Right? Yeah. 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 But there's, really lots, there's lots of, I mean, you know, there's so many interesting and distinct kinds of shows coming up uh, this spring. I, I, you know, we, we could talk forever about them, but we haven't even mentioned among musicals. We've got the revival of. Bob Fosse's dancing. If you if you want an extreme dancing show, and we've got the revival, or I should say revisal, because it's been the book is totally rewritten of Camelot. Yes, uh, yes, with Philip Sue. That's right. I just with saw Phil her Bissou, in the Suffragettes yeah. one. What did they call it? Suffragettes. What was the name? Suffs? It, was, it was called Suffs. It had a bad title. I'm sorry. Suffs at Suffs. the public theater, and she was honestly the only reason to see the show. The show. I could write a deep review of the show. The show was an almost show. It was almost. <laughs> it just. It wasn't there. But you must see a lot like that, Jesse Green. You must see a lot. I don't say, especially with musicals, they're mostly that because. I mean, think about how difficult it is to write a great musical. I mean, it's, you know, there's so many moving parts. It's almost impossible to get them all right. And that was a brand new work on stage. And, yes, she's always fantastic. And I'm really looking forward to this. This is another in the series of Lincoln Center Theater musicals directed by Bartlett Shear, like South Pacific and The King and I and My Fair Lady, where he really takes these classic works of, uh, of the golden age of musical theater and investigates them. In a, in a deep new way. In this case, 
you know, Camelot famously has an impossible book. It doesn't work at all. It makes no sense. <laughs> um, so uh, he's hired Aaron Sorkin, uh, who ah. rewrote, who wrote the play version of of um, To Kill a Mockingbird for Bart Shear to rewrite the book of Camelot. And you know, who knows what he came who up knows? with? I, who I knows? mean, maybe they're maybe they're doing you know debates uh, in the castle or something like that. But um, I, I really look forward to that. And then we have. Are, are you ready for this? Jesse, I have to cut you off. Ah. You hear the theme? I'm at noon. You'll have to come back. You're going to come back soon, right? I'll Jesse Green, New York Times Lisa. theater critic, has to come back on the show very, very soon. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, please share it with your friends. And as always, feel free to contact me at lisa at lisawexler.com. 